this is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Welcome to Give Me Some Truth. Keith and I are in the booth today. This is Clint, if you haven't figured that out yet. And we're going to talk a little bit about retirement today because there was a shocking NFL announcement over the weekend. He just up and quit, didn't he, Keith? Andrew Luck. And I, th- I think, first of all, we don't usually like to talk about sports on this podcast uh, because I think nothing is kind of more ridiculous than the two of us going back and forth about like the NFL or whatever. But this was actually kind of a conversation that's relevant to a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So for those of you who aren't familiar with sports or kind of out, you know, in the world uh, doing other stuff, uh, one of the, the biggest things today was that, or this weekend, pardon, was that Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis uh, Colts announced his retirement at a very young age, 29 years old. And in the history of the NFL, you know, he's a leading quarterback, one of the top players in the league. You don't see guys in his situation retire. And usually it's due to more of like a, a cognitive sort of, of injury, you know, a series of concussions or things like that, or some really bad knee injuries. But this was kind of the amalgamation of a lot of different injuries kind of piling all up for him. And he just said, I'm done. I've, I've reached that point where I've, I've had enough. Well, and he, he said, in fact, you know, I... I the rehabbing and all of that is is taking its toll on my mental health. Uh, you know, I'm no longer feeling like my best and, you know, my best self in, in my personal life. And one of the things, um, and here in Madison, folks might be familiar with a guy uh, from the UW who played in the NFL for a little while and retired very young, Chris Borland, very kind of similar situation. He said, you know, I don't know if I've been doing the research. I don't know if this is worth it for me anymore. And that's, I think, where we're coming at this topic from, because one of the things that I think often happens in our industry is we get the ads of, you know, a couple on the beach strolling hand in hand in retirement, you know, windswept hair, looking perfect. But that's running through fields. uh, Yeah. And and spending time both in in opposite bathtubs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that there, yes. there's one where they're, they're like holding hands across the bathtub, and that's not what I think of um, when <laughs> I'm thinking of, of retirement. retirement. No. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously something like sailing, maybe maybe some golf coursing would be good. But I think what what's interesting about Andrew Luck's uh, sort of situation is he's a really smart guy, right? And I don't think we would say this is the end of the road for Andrew Luck. No, and he's hit his work optional point, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a little bit different from Chris Borland, who, you know, at I think he was twenty three when he retired, and he did not have the huge contract, and we had a bonus. I think he had to pay back the vast majority of his bonus. Uh, Andrew Luck was under contract for a number of more years, and he had a huge contract, and he walked away from a lot of money. Uh, but that being said, he's also earned a lot of money as well, and he has reached his true work optional lifestyle, really. You know, he, he earned the money that he needed to earn, and he can exist on that as well as a number of, of generations on top of that. Yeah, he, he, uh, one of the, the nice things, nice deals he got is that uh, he got to keep his $24 million 
bonus, um, which uh, is always a, a nice thing to walk away with. The other interesting thing about him is that he, uh, you know, he was, as uh, you know, you guys mock me for, uh, kind of a humanities area graduate. He um, majored in architecture at Stanford and a huge soccer fan, uh, also the subject of one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts where because of that giant beard, someone you know, made him look like a Civil War general, and they write these long, beautiful missives uh, about, you know, the campaign. And Captain uh, Andrew Luck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but all around a kind of interesting guy, right? Uh, a smart dude, um, I think, probably has options in broadcasting if he wants. I mean, if he's interested in, I don't know, hosting a show on PBS about architecture, um, that might be an option. But he's in a position, right, where... The main career, the thing that he has prepared for his whole life, isn't really what he wants to do anymore. And how does that speak to to us, I guess, as financial advisors? Well, I think it's reaching that point of work optional or having the ability to pivot in your career choice by having the money saved up to be able to do that. I think some people feel like they're slaves to the certain uh, company that they work for or uh, university. I think I see this a lot with professors uh, or people that are tied to the UW system, for example. They feel like they're trapped because they're in a department and there's very little upward mobility and there's very little sideways mobility too. If they didn't want to do this certain position, they're not just able to move laterally to a different area in many cases. And so they feel trapped uh, because they have good pension benefits, they have good health benefits, and then they feel like they have nowhere to go. And uh, there's a number of different ways that you can get out of these situations. I mean, number one would be to work enough years where it no longer matters. Uh, you know, you've saved enough money or you've built up enough pension years where it no longer matters whether you have to go to work every day, or you can develop a different skill set in the meantime that perhaps your employer would even pay for, and then you can develop other skills to go elsewhere. I saw one of our clients get a little stuck in the area that she was in, and then she went, ended up going to get her master's in her 50s. And then she, she really worked the system. She, you know, she got her master's, she got a different pay grade, she got a better job, and now she's looking at a very good retirement because she kind of moved up that chain because she got more education and figured out how can I get out of the situation that I, I don't like and into a better one. And it's it's something I see with a lot of folks as well who uh, work internationally. That their careers oftentimes are crazy uh, hours, right, all over the place because they're they're maybe based in London, but they're working with clients in Japan and in the United States and all over the place. And they're they're starting to feel that that burnout. And they you know maybe they enjoy their career, they don't enjoy it as much as they they once did, or you know you get that that new boss. And I think one of the things, and I think is that was interesting about this Andrew Luck situation is how angry so many people were, uh, at this announcement. I mean, he got booed in Indianapolis announcing, Hey, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And he got booed. And so many people were like, Oh man, you know, another, I think someone, you know, uh, tweeted that he was a lazy millennial and and all of these sorts of things. You try to get hit by a guy that's 325 pounds running full speed at you and hitting you in the back where you can't even see anything and try that a couple of times and see how that feels. Yeah, I, I mean, the guy that criticized him was Doug Gottlieb, who is a basketball player. Um, not exactly the same level of kind of pain 
in basketball. Uh, also, Doug Gottlieb uh, got in trouble in college for uh, stealing credit cards. So maybe you shouldn't be, uh, you know, criticizing other people's work ethics. That's my take on Doug Gottlieb. Neither maybe it's a different way to get to work optional, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> we are not endorsing that. <laughs> but uh, I think it also shows how much people have internalized, you know, this. I've got to keep going into work every day. I got to, you know, keep doing this. You've got this job, you've got this opportunity, this is the only thing that you can do, rather than stepping back and thinking about, you know, what's my full financial picture? How much, you know, do I need? Uh, what do I want to do? You know, maybe I want to step back and at 50 get a master's and do something slightly different. You know, maybe I'm interested in, in the nonprofit world. Um, you know, I'm talking to a friend of mine. She's been a, a corporate lawyer for years and years and years. And she finally made the decision that the pressure was getting to her. A lot of stuff had been happening in her life. You know, she had saved money, lived responsibility. And she said, you know, I've, I was, I've been getting interested in, in some of the issues around, uh, you know, the border and, you know, what's going on. And, you know, I want to learn Spanish. So she's taking a sabbatical and going down and learning Spanish. So I think, you know, people... It, there, there are several factors, right? You have to make sure that you have the finances in order, but you also have to think about, you know, what's what's driving me, what's making me happy. Are the people around me, you know, enjoying this person I am? Because that's one of the things Andrew Luck said is, I was getting more and more miserable and making the people around me miserable. Yeah, it's really hard to eject out of a situation where you're down that spiral of of sort of despair. I've we've seen it with a number of clients. Uh, where they just don't like their jobs anymore and they feel like they have nowhere out. Uh, and in many cases, they actually do. You know, they have a, a way out in a number of different ways, and we can discuss that uh, with them in the meeting. Depends on where they are at in their career. Um, the younger they are, the more choices they have. And, and the older they are, they still have choices too. In many cases, just stepping down from a five-day four, five work week down to a four-day work week, uh, or working hours more creatively or at home, working some hours can take them out of a little bit more of a poisonous work environment or at least allow them to have a little bit more leisure time to be able to decompress and, and handle the stress of the situation. So uh, I think that in many cases, employers don't want to lose those employees. And if you approach your employer properly, you can actually get a lot more than you think. And uh, oftentimes if you said, hey, I don't want money, but I need an extra week of vacation, or I want to work one day from home, or I want to work a four-day work week, many of them are amenable to that. Because to add a new employee and to train that person is incredibly expensive, not to mention that it may add or subtract from the culture and there's a risk there and many managers are not risk takers in that regard. So the known is better than the unknown for a lot of management and they would rather have somebody working 32 hours rather than 40 and, and be a better employee. Because frankly, you know, how many hours do people actually work in a week? I mean, you know, is it really 40 hours? It's not. It's a fraction of that, really. Well, and, and, you know, if you're working really hard, it's hard to work 40 straight hours, right? You know, um, this is something I noticed when I was uh, writing my dissertation. You know, you get exhausted. You can't, you know, write 40 straight hours, you know, every day or, you know, obviously mathematically impossible. But, you know, are you maximizing your time? Are you, are you being the most efficient that you can? And a lot of employers, too... Um, and this is something else that I think both speaks to the financial situation, but also uh, something else is that right now, it's a very different labor market than it was 10 years ago, right? And so 
10 years ago when people were coming into the job market, it's like not only will I work 11-hour days, but I'll hang upside down from the ceiling with my coworkers so that we can, you know, double pack people into the office. Um, and now, you know, there's more mobility. People are able to change jobs. The, the, the other thing here is that in terms of affording it, don't let the buoyancy of the stock market fool you, right? And that's why you need a good kind of financial plan going into this, right? Why you need to speak to somebody before you make this decision, both on your family side, right? I'm sure Andrew Luck didn't just walk away from football and not tell anyone. Um, so he talked to his family, talked to people there, but also this is why you talk to your advisor, right? You say, okay, you know, right now, if you, if you just take these assumptions about the stock market out for the next 10 years, you could be in real trouble, right? But if you work with an advisor, you can sit down and say, okay, what, what are my range of possibilities here? What can I see? And can I make this ask of my employer? Well, you had a really interesting call a couple of weeks ago when you had somebody that had, that was a multimillionaire that sold out of a a company. Uh, and they, they believe in this whole fire movement, right? So the fire movement for those, uh, not initiated that is basically retire as, as quickly as you possibly can with basically no debt and being able to retire at an insanely young age. Uh, now I would, I would argue that leads to a litany of problems when you don't work and can't fill your time. I think that there's a lot of issues with that, but that being said, this fire movement basically says, like, I don't want to be indentured to anybody and I don't want to have any debt. So it's, uh, you know, sign, kind of that um, Dave Ramsey program on steroids. And so you got conversation into him and you had to talk about withdrawal rates for somebody that has, you know, multi millions of dollars. And he was like, well, I'll just use this 4% withdrawal rate or 5% withdrawal rate. And I'm, he was basically going to wing it. And obviously, the, the time frame and inflation, and there's a lot more nuance to what he wanted to try to do. But it's a very interesting movement that's going on now for people that are really young. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's a situation where we're seeing folks that, all of a sudden got more money, you know, because they worked with a, a startup or, you know, something like that. And they're kind of looking around and they're looking at what's important to them. And I, I also think part of it is a lot of these folks were working constantly from, you know, to get into a top school, someone like Andrew Luck, to get into Stanford as a football player. I mean, his life was programmed down to the minute pretty closely, right? All through, you know, starting once somebody identified that the the kid could throw a football, right? And now, you know, they, they want to retire, they want to get, you know, they want this freedom, but I don't know if they, they're equipped to think about the freedom, right? And what it means, what not doing anything for the next 40 or 50 years of your life is going to mean for you. Um, this is a, a real kind of philosophical question, right? But so many of these people have been, you know, just chugging along on these, you know, uh, I was talking to my friend Dan uh, yesterday. And we were we were discussing the fact that he didn't come to the the U University of Chicago uh, because the the dude that he did his visit with um, his roommate had moved his bed out into the common area to start studying at five a.m. You know he didn't want to didn't want any distractions wanted to get up right away and he was like oh that's not for me but so many of these guys like Andrew Luck that you know five a.m. to midnight you know that's it every day and. What, how do you deal with that once that's done, you know, that this fire movement becomes something that people, you know, cling on to. And I don't, I don't know if people are thinking through all of the, the effects of not only financial, like what do you want to do with your money, right? Long-term, 
and they've never maybe thought about what money does, what role money plays in in their life, right? I think that taking that pause, and whether it's time or whether it's time off, uh, but you've got to schedule something to be able to be able to pick your head up and <laughs> take a look around a little bit. I mean, in the Andrew Luck situation, he's probably going been going what since he's fourteen. Yeah, I mean every day. And there are a lot of people that are out there that are tech people, uh, or they've been working in a really intense situation. Think about some of the comp- the companies here in Madison that they work very hard uh, over at Epic or over at Exact Sciences or any other st- startup here, Propeller Health. I mean, there's great examples of people that you know are working 100 hours a week, and they don't take the time to plan out their future, and then they feel like they have no control over their future. And I think that's that's a great fault of them that they need to correct along the way, you know, make a plan for yourself, understand what your future may look like and spend some time visualizing that. And I always argue that no human needs to work a hundred hours in a week. Anyways, I believe that everyone can get all the work done in 40 hours in a week. And maybe that's me just being uh, naive, but I really believe that if you're outsourcing properly and you have a proper team around you, that there's no reason why you should work a minute over 40 hours a week. Well, I think there's a little bit of diminishing returns, you know, and we can discuss our uh, various economic theories about the work week. Uh, but I, I do think as well, part of it is a, a lot of people, you know, Andrew Luck. Um, last night I watched uh, the David Faraday interview with John McEnroe, you know, and and these folks are trained to you looks, you know, Mary Carrillo uh, on another thing was like, you know, I'm out there six days a week and Johnny Mac is so talented that, you know, when he's 13, 14, I'm, you know, sun up to sundown and he's playing a couple of times a week. And, you know, so many people are, they, to be the best, you've inherit, you have this mentality that we're on this conveyor belt, you know, the guy next to me is at the gym at 5.05, I have to be there at five, right? Someone like Andrew Luck. And then when that breaks down, when, when, you know, something changes, uh, in Andrew Luck's case, his health, do you have a, a, are you prepared for it? Do you have a plan for it? And I think Andrew Luck was, was lucky because he's, he's, you know, his family has uh, kind of a diverse range of interests. Um, his dad was a sports executive, um, you know, and so he's, he went to Stanford as well and apparently attended his classes. Uh, does a, a mean Jim Harbaugh imitation as well for <laughs> Mitch. But, um, you know, d- started thinking about these things. What, what's life after football like? And, you know, I think a lot of people, part of the anger at Andrew Locke here is like a lot of people haven't given that thought. It's like, I'm going to, you know, wake up at five o'clock and, you know, strive to be better than everybody else around me and be more type A and, you know, what's next? Well, that and, you know, the thought that they had to have their second string quarterback lead their team this year and, uh, you know, week one and it's about a week and a half away. So, you know, you know, maybe that's a little bit angst as well. Well, you know? well, you know, and we you can, know. we can dip into the world of fantasy football <laughs> there. Uh, what I would like to do is OJ Simpson was very upset. Oh apparently. man. Yeah. What did I ever do to Andrew Luck? <laughs> you murdered someone. Yeah. OJ. <laughs> Um, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, yeah. So we don't get sued. We, we uh, lost the civil suit. You know, he lost the civil suit, but you know, he he also went to jail. I think for kidnapping and theft. He was stealing, I think, memorabilia. He said, "Yeah, it's, uh, not a good dude." <laughs> Although you know, the Colts did have uh, really one of my. So I think we've talked about best jobs in sports, and I'm of the mind that like bullpen catcher is the very best job in sports because you get the major league minimum. You know, you you it's 
162 games. So you're you're doing stuff, right, for a good chunk of the year, but you're not you're not getting hit. I'm going kicker. Mason Crosby. Ooh, He's yeah, got but the best job. But the death threats after you miss one. Well, okay. You know, you know. I think John, you know, here in the office as a Chicago Bears fan could probably <laughs> you know, uh enlighten you that kicker is maybe not it. Uh that's his fault well, for being a Bears fan. Well, I obviously. I, bad I mean, you know, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, Wisconsin had, uh, uh, you know, Jim Sorge, Sorge, who pretty close to one of the ideal jobs in all of football because well, yeah. he was Peyton Manning's backup for all those years and never played a snap and got, you know, a million bucks a year. That's a great deal. That is, that is good work. Uh, and also Nate wisely suggested that the Bears get Carly Lloyd. As their kicker. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the film from Eagles practice, but it was it was it would make a big story and yeah. uh, lots of positive media attention. And uh, you know, she kicked a good field goal. Yeah, and she, her U.S. national team career is you know she's in her upper thirties. She's not a starter anymore. You know, it'd be interesting. Probably uh, cap friendly too. <laughs> League minimum for sure, you know. Yeah. Yep. Just on a whim. Yeah. Well, how would the players union? Uh, you know, you, there, there, are, there are obviously questions. Um, by the way, we just said at the beginning of the pod we did not want to spend time yammering about sports because who really wants to listen to that? I could go another half hour, dude. Oh, uh, oh, well, you know, this could be the longest podcast in recorded history. That's very true. But we're going to end it now. So thank you for joining us in this installment of Give Me Some Truth, and we'll see you next time. services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Boniwaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.